When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Hello and welcome in Purple Daily. Danny Cunningham, Chad Graff, and Manny Hill taking you up until 4 o'clock here on Score North. You can find us on the all-new Score North mobile app available on Apple and Android or on 1500 AM here in the Twin Cities. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is 4th of July week, middle of summer. That means football, not much going on, but there's always football here on Purple Daily. Today, we're going to dive into how things can look different for the Minnesota Vikings offense, especially on the ground. Dalvin Cook being healthy, I think, is one of the things that this team is going to need in order to ensure the highest amount of success. And I do think that an improvement in the running game is something that really can help take them and Kirk Cousins to the next level. I'm also really curious about how Gary Kubiak's influence on this offense will help to change that for the better because, Chad, I really think that that's something that didn't go quite as well as planned last year. Well, and it's so fascinating, too, because Dalvin Cook is just such an interesting player with where he is at in his career where he shows up, and I think he has even said those first three games of his rookie season even took him by surprise. Everything went better than he expected. He he basically was told over and over, the NFL is going to be harder than you think. This is a no-joke league. You're not going to be able to just jump right in and do what you did in college and then he jumped right in and did what he did in college so of course everything you know was going great up until that ACL injury and then last season you know as he was hoping to build off of those first three games as a rookie he deals with a a nagging hamstring injury that you know he suffered in the second game of the season that game at Lambeau and and sort of you know wasn't the same after that so uh, there's a lot that we can get into with how the running game will do better, but I think, of course, it has to start with Dalvin Cook and, of course, him being healthy. And the the him coming into the league and not having the expectation for it to be as easy as, as it was in college, that's understandable because for like 99% of guys that go from playing wherever you played in college, I don't care if it's in the ACC at Florida State, in the Big Ten at Ohio State, out in the Pac-12, wherever, it doesn't matter, the NFL is tougher. So I understand that like being a qualification and then being a little bit surprised, oh, this isn't quite that hard, but the injuries is... That's something that I always come back to when I think about Devin Cook because there's no questioning that he's a superior talent. The the dude's a freak athlete. Like There's Mm -hmm. no other way to put it. He is incredibly talented. He's athletic. He's everything that you want in a running back except for the the durability, and that matters. The ACL is a bit of a freak thing, but the hamstring and that continuing to pop up, those things do really, really worry me. Yeah, and I wonder with him too is how are they going to manage his workload? You know, because I don't 
I'm not sure about what they have behind him. I know they went and got, got Alex Madison from Boise State in the draft, but you know how much can you really expect out of a rookie running back that's not you know the caliber of a Dalvin Cook to step in and contribute right away, especially if they're hoping that he picks up some of the slack that Latavius Murray um, left behind. And then you know what 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 do they have as far as depth is concerned beyond that as well? If Dalvin Cook gets injured. If he has to miss a couple of games, can Alex Madison just step in and, and fill those shoes? That's a great I my, question. I, I have my doubts about that. So it's going to be really important for Dalvin Cook to stay healthy. And I'm also very curious as to how exactly they're going to be able to use him, too, as well. Chad, let me ask you this. What's plan B if he, if he doesn't stay healthy? Because like Manny brought up, Latavius Murray's not here anymore. And he was a very serviceable serviceable backup and really someone that's not going to get a ton of credit when things go well. He's, he's just going to kind of fly under the radar, but he's someone that they're going to miss. So where do they go if, if Dalvin Cook finds himself in a similar situation to what his past has been so far? Well, so largely, the Vikings had a pretty good draft. They were able to get the interior offensive lineman that they wanted. They were able to get Kyle Rudolph's eventual successor and a guy that they can use in two tight end sets. They were able to get a guard in the fourth end. They did a lot of good things in the draft. The one thing that they did not do well was draft a running back in the third round. It is one thing to draft a running back in the third round who you think, like a David Montgomery who ended up going in the division to the Chicago Bears and has been one of the standouts through their mini camps and OTAs. It's one thing to go get a guy like that who can be a three-down back who, if something happens to Dalvin Cook, you can hand the ball to 15, 20 times a game sure. and can be serviceable. The Vikings did not do that, though. They went out and got a short yardage guy. They loved Latavius Murray in the short yardage, but of course, we're not going to be able to afford to bring him back. So they go get a short yardage guy, which is fine and all if you've already got the the guy who can you know handle the ball 15 times a game when if Dalvin Cook gets hurt. But they, they don't have a good option right now for if Dalvin Cook gets hurt and Maybe he won't get hurt and everything will work out just fine. But uh, this is two seasons now that Dalvin Cook has had to miss some games. And, and if he, if something happens to him, uh, I'm not confident in what the Vikings have behind him. Yeah, how scary is that? Just to think mm-hmm. about it. If you're a Vikings fan out there and there's really not a great option behind Dalvin Cook and Dalvin Cook has not proven that he can stay on the field for 16 games and handle the ball 20 times a game, that's that's a scary thing, right, Manny? Yeah, well, and the other part of this, too, is if you're Gary Kubiak, how are you feeling about the, the the depth at that position that you have? Because now, maybe if you're Kubiak, you can look at your system and say, look, between Denver and Houston, we we plugged in a lot of guys that could just, you know, guys, quote unquote, that we picked up off the street. And sure. they plugged in and we plugged them in. They were productive. But I don't know how much you can really rely on that, especially when you have a player like Dalvin Cook that is as dynamic as he is. I mean, because I think it's a significant drop-off from him and the guys behind him. And you you said picked up off the street, and that will never not be like a funny football saying to me, like, oh, they just got a running back off the street. As if he's not in world-class shape and a better athlete than 99.9% of humans on the earth. Oh, they just picked up some dude off the street to come play this week. That'll never not be funny. Mike Boone has muscles coming out of you know places I didn't even know could have muscles, <laughs> but he's the guy that they just picked up off the street. Yeah, exactly. They, just, they oh, they just picked up a kicker <laughs> off the street. No one else in the world can do that. They they found him on the street. Okay, that's who you found on the street. I'll believe that. That's a hilarious saying to me. And I'm I'm also curious. You brought up Gary Kubiak, Manny. How is his influence on this offense going to to change the running game? Do we know if it's going to look any different than what it has in the past? And and more importantly, because everything that we talk about offensively, whether it's 
Laquan Treadwell not being able to catch passes or Stephon Diggs getting open or or Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith and the offensive line and Dalvin Cook and all of that, there's one common denominator that it all gets back to, and that's Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, one, how is Gary Kubiak's influence going to help this offense in terms of how they run the ball? And two, how's that going to help Kirk Cousins be a better quarterback than he was in 2018? To me, it's, it's it starts with the play action, right? I mean, Kirk Cousins, historically throughout his career, has always been the, his strength. The most success he's had has always been in the play action. And if you're in a system like what Gary Kubiak has, you're going to be running a lot of play action. So I think on the surface, that seems like the right course of action to try and maximize what you have out of Kirk Cousins. I mean, whatever John Filippo was trying to do last year, it was just not... It was just not a good fit for Kirk Cousins. And that's not letting Kirk off the hook by any stretch of the imagination. But I refuse for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly Matthew Collar, the normal host of this show, would refuse. I to have let to that do my best well. Matthew Collar impersonation when I'm sitting in this chair. Like I, I'm gonna have <laughs> I'm to I'm excited. Just, Does this mean you're gonna be banging the glass pretty soon and standing I, up? I'm and... gonna have to just yell football when we go to break <laughs> and I'm just going to have to do all of these things if I'm going to try and fill the shoes of Matthew Collar today for at least the first hour of the show. So I, I don't know, but continue on. But, you know, we've we've mentioned this before on this show, and Collar's harped on this a lot, too, is when you look back at the best season of Kirk Cousins' career, it was in Washington, and part of that was, you know, you had Sean McVay on that staff, you had Kyle Shanahan on that staff, and they were running a system that was beneficial for Kirk Cousins' skill set. And I think it's a very similar system to what, Gary Kubiak wants to run here. So that can help Kirk Cousins. But I think still at the end of the day, it's going to come down to his ability to be able to execute on third downs. If it's third and 11, you know, if you hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook and he gets stuffed for a yard or two and then you throw an incomplete pass on second down or vice versa, if it's third and 11, can Kirk Cousins make enough throws to keep to keep drives going, keep the chains moving? and make this offense more efficient than what it was last year. And I think that the other part that can help make it more efficient last year is actually utilizing the running backs. Yeah. You know, f- For all of the lack of depth that we have already discussed, one thing that the Vikings did not do well last year that I do think they'll be better at this year with Gary Kubiak is throwing them the ball. There's more that you can do to get Dalvin Cook the ball, which they continue to say is a main priority beyond just halfback dive. You, you can call screens for this guy. He's shown that he can actually catch the ball and handle it. And if your goal is to get the ball in Dalvin Cook's hands in space, um, you can do that. You also, you know, for all of the lack of depth at running back that we've talked about, Mike Boone, one of your backups, used to be a wide receiver. Amir Abdullah, one of your backups, is a great punt returner, kick returner, can handle the ball in space and out of the backfield. And so uh, I do think one of the ways that they can avoid putting Kirk Cousins in third and 11, where he tends to make too many mistakes, is uh, staying ahead of the change by getting the running backs more involved. Yeah, that's obviously the key to the game. No, And we harp on Kirk Cousins for a lot of things, and a lot of it's deserved, but not many quarterbacks are very successful in third and 11 more times than not. Like, that's just how football works, right? It's, Fair. You, yeah. can't, you can't expect someone to continue to find success on third and 11 over and over and over again. And you, you bring up different ways of getting the running backs involved. And that's something that really entices me as, as long as Kirk Cousins isn't throwing backwards passes to them like we, <laughs> we saw at one point last year. That's something that does entice me. But it also makes me wonder, is that setting up Dalvin Cook to for a potential putting him in a, a bad position in terms of keeping his body healthy? 
Uh, is that a is that a bit of a question mark there? I, I think even just the durability concerns and the the workload is fair. If you go back to his rookie season, it's third game he had 27 carries. Uh, his third game of his entire NFL career. His first That's game he lot. had 22. So last year Welcome to the league, man. Right, because of the injury last year, he didn't necessarily have that, but I think a lot of, you know, the reason that he didn't have to carry it 22 times last year was because they had Latavius Murray and trusted him and were confident in him. But the depth issues, I think, go beyond running back as well. You know, for all of the improvements that the Vikings have made offensively, and I think a large chunk of that is due to the coaching staff. John Filippo was the wrong fit from the very start with this offense. Sure. So I think that there are improvements there, but also there are improvements on the offensive line with Garrett Bradbury and the interior part of the offensive line, presumably at least taking a small step forward. Granted, it's a, a low bar to clear to take that step forward. But still a step. Still a step. Still counts. <laughs> so for all of the progress that they've made, though, this is still an offense that is going to rely on their starters. This is not an offense that if Kyle Rudolph gets hurt, I think that you're in a little bit of trouble, which is part of the reason that there was urgency to sign him yeah. because you've got 20-year-old Irv Smith suddenly as your starting tight end. If, you know, for all of the strengths that you have at wide receiver with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen being arguably the best duo in the NFL, there's a major drop-off behind those two guys to the point where you don't know who the third guy is going to be. Is it going to be an undrafted guy like Chad Beebe? Is it going to be a guy who was in the Canadian Football League two years ago in Brandon Zilstra? Is it a guy who missed all of last season with injury in Jordan Taylor? There are just a lot of questions beyond who the starters are that I think are going to go a long way in determining what happens to the Vikings this season. I don't think the wide receiver number three discussion in Minnesota will ever disappear. And I haven't <laughs> lived here very long. Like I moved here halfway through last season. I'm not a, a Minnesota native. I didn't grow up a Vikings fan, but that has always been the discussion with this team. Who can the third wide receiver be? Who can catch passes? It doesn't help, I guess, when the guy you drafted in the first round to be that guy uh, right. probably won't even make the team this year. I really liked Laquan Treadwell coming out of Ole I did too. Like, yeah. I loved him. I so a little background for you, Chad, because obviously you and I don't know each other very well. I grew up in Cleveland. I'm a Browns fan. The Browns drafted a wide receiver in the first round with Treadwell on the board that year. Turns out that guy was actually worse than Treadwell and Corey <laughs> Coleman, who is now I think on his third team. Yeah, right. I think he's in New York with the Giants. They're trying to replace that Odell Beckham guy Jr. with him. Not going to go well for you. Spoiler alert, guys. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. But I really liked Treadwell. I thought he was going to be a star in the NFL, and he's turned into, like you said, probably not going to make a team. I made a prediction that year when they drafted him that he was going to be the offensive rookie of the year. You were wrong. That's how much I liked Lichuan Treadwell. Well, because if you look at the you numbers. Were wrong. No, you were wrong. You looked wrong. at you looked at the number. Oh, I was dead wrong. <laughs> I will wear that to the day I die. I mean, I have no problem wearing that. Um but you looked at the numbers that he had in college and you factored in he's doing up against he's in the SEC like he's going up against Nick Saban's defense every year and performing well against Nick Saban's defense every year like Ole Miss found a way to beat those really really unbelievable Alabama yes, teams yep. like three years in a row I'm like this Laquan Treadwell guy's this gonna be a stud <laughs> and then you look at the size the measurements and all of that and it was just like I was sold, and then it was just like the complete opposite. The other amazing part of Laquan Treadwell, not to get sidetracked here, is that... I'm all for it. It is July 3rd. If we get sidetracked on <laughs> something football, it's fine. <laughs> the amazing thing about him is there are very few players who look as good as he does oh. in 
starting in April and really going all the way up until the very first preseason game begins. Training camp every year, whoever the quarterback is, because Lord knows the Vikings have rotated through plenty of them, whoever the quarterback (laughs) is, going all the way, you know, Sam Bradford, love this Laquan Treadwell guy, watch out for him. Kirk Cousins gets here. I know you guys have been saying a lot of bad things about Laquan Treadwell, but I'm just telling you from what I've seen, me, Kirk Cousins, in my three weeks here, this number 11 guy is really something. And uh, as, as soon as the lights come on different wide receiver yeah that's that's a frustrating thing isn't it where you can someone can look so good throughout OTAs and mini camp and training camp and all those things and then when it when it starts to matter it's like where'd that guy go can we get him back please (laughs) he can help you can't yeah it's year you it's been like this year after year with him ever since he came into the league you you get excited and and then we keep hearing like Quan's turned the corner. Like this is going to be the year. He's this is where he's going to make the the improvements. Maybe it's this year. And yeah, maybe it's <laughs> this year. And and the other thing too that kind of bothered me with Laquan last year is at the end of the season when the season season was over, he was asked about you know how he did this year, and he said, "I thought I had a great year. I did I, I did everything they wanted me to do." It's like narrator voice. No, you did not. <laughs> it's, it's like Laquan, it, and, and that that makes me wonder about sort of the self awareness aspect of like, you know, obviously he doesn't have to come out and say, "Yeah, I was terrible. I wasn't very good." But I think there's just has to be some level of self awareness. Like, dude, come on, you got to understand. Like, you 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 got to get better here. This team needs you to be better than what you've been. Uh, I think he's always lacked a little bit in that department. I remember two years ago going out there. It was after his not-so-great rookie season when the first signs of a bus were showing. And I remember being all intimidated to go talk to him. And I went up and you know said, hey, can I talk to you for a few minutes? He says, yeah, sure. And I start to bring up, you know, you're actually getting some opportunities with the ones. Can you, you know, what has this been like for you? He's like, what do you mean? Am I surprised? This I deserve to play with the ones. Are you insinuating that I shouldn't be a starter? Ooh. And I remember being so taken aback, like, am I talking to the right? This is the guy who did nothing his rookie year, right? You're I'm sure talking to the right person. You're sure you didn't walk up to Stefan Diggs by accident? <laughs> <laughs> I don't he It was very, very strange. Oh, my goodness. What wow. a time. I'm I'm just really glad that talking about the running game took us to Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> that that is the goal. That is basically the end goal of all my Vikings conversations. It's to Kirk find Cousins my way to Kirk Cousins or Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> I, I'm that is how I that's that is science for how me. do we turn any conversation into Kirk Cousins or Laquan Treadwell? And honestly, <laughs> at some point later this summer before training camp starts, before we really start to ramp things up here on Purple Daily on Score North. We might have that experiment. We might see what topic how you many different or someone else can throw yeah. at me and how I, I like can that. get it to Laquan Treadwell. Maybe yeah. maybe during hot routes. Maybe during one of these hot routes, one of these weeks yes. leading up to the season, we just have a bunch of random topics and say, how do we tie this in to Kirk Cousins yes. or Laquan Treadwell? I, I accept the challenge. I want to do that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I, I really am. We've got a great show lined up for you here. Chad Graff and Manny Hill alongside Danny Cunningham. I'm until 3 o'clock. They're taking you up until 4 o'clock. We'll be back after this on Score North and the all-new Score North app. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Hey. 
Purple Daily on Score North. Also available on demand on the Score North mobile app, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Check out Minnesota Sports Rewind, where Score North goes back in time and dives deep into, into some of the most prominent moments in Minnesota sports history, including Twins-Tigers Game 163 back in 09, Twins-A's Game 5 of the 2 LDS, and uh, Kevin Love's 30-30 and 30 game, and new one up, Kevin Garnett's dominating Game 7 of the uh, second round against the Sacramento Kings back in 2004. It's Minnesota Sports Rewind on scorenorth.com, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts. Danny Cunningham. Football. Did I do it right? Football. That's football. what you got to do. No, it is... foot, football. I'm not that good. <laughs> it is football. It is Purple Daily. Danny Cunningham, Chad Graff, Manny Hill taking you up until 4 o'clock here on Score North. You can find us on 1500 AM or the all-new Score North mobile app available both on Apple and Android. Now we bring in our friend from The Athletic, Arif, Arif Hassan. Excuse me, Arif, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing real well. So first question I have to ask you based on what we talked about in the first segment. I said you could give me any number of Minnesota Vikings topics and probably within a minute I can find a way to relate it to Laquan Treadwell. If I give you any topic, can you do that? Uh, that would be tough. <laughs> I don't think it's that hard. I'm sure, I could find, I'm sure I could find a way, though. I don't think it's that hard. Okay. <laughs> uh, when you first brought it up, I was initially thinking you were going to say any topic. So at first, I was thinking like Declaration of Independence, something for the July no. theme, and then see how you were going to bring up Kirk Cousins. But you I guess if you kept master. it to Vikings, could you do it for Kirk Cousins, Arif? Yeah, I think I could. Yeah, that, that one's easier. I think the Laquan Treadwell is kind tough. of it's tough, but if you can find a way to get it to offense, you can just go to wide receiver number three, Laquan Treadwell. You're good. <laughs> that that's all that you need. <laughs> And we also spent a lot of the first segment talking about the running game because that's something that is going to need to improve, and that's easy to relate to Kirk Cousins because if the running game is better, Kirk Cousins is going to be better. How much of an influence do you think that Gary Kubiak now being a part of this offense in terms of what they're doing schematically and how the plays are going to be called, how much is that going to help improve their running game? Well, I think pretty tremendously, and, and Chad knows this about me. I, I, I care a little bit less about running backs, and I think Dalvin Cook is a phenomenally talented running back. Um, but I think that they have less of an influence on the running game than the offensive line and the scheme. And I think that we've got a lot of evidence that Kubiak's scheme is a really effective one. And in terms of fit, you know, Dalvin Cook is a great zone runner. And so uh, you've got a running back that fits the scheme. You've got, you know, in theory, an improved offensive line. Um, and, and I think that really it's, it's just going to be um, night and day from what we saw last year. Amazingly, we're three weeks out from training camp now, uh, which I don't know if if I'm saying amazingly because it's only three weeks away or because already we're going to be back uh, in Egan every day, 12 hours a day for the next six weeks. But either way, with training camp approaching, uh, what are some of the positional battles that you're most looking forward to see how they shake out? Well, wide receiver three, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank that you! Be, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think that one's going to be pretty fascinating. Uh, yeah, I think you and I both know it's probably not going to be tried well. Um, and so from there, it's it's really just wide open, right? Because you've got, you know, the late round picks. You've got, you know, Chad Beebe and Brandon Zilstra who ended up uh, at the end of the year on the roster. 
Um, and then you've got Jeff Bidette, who, if he's healthy, you know, who knows what happens, right? Uh, and then, you know, of course, undrafted free agents, uh, Davion Davis has looked really good. Although, again, you know, training camp, who knows? So uh, I think that the wide receiver three battle is, I think, going to be kind of fascinating. I think we're going to see maybe a little bit less of three wide receiver sets just in this system than than before, but it's still going to be kind of the dominant uh, formation that we're going to see. So I think it's going to be really important for how the offense rolls. Um, I actually am kind of interested in, in running back to whether or not Madison just takes it, you know, uh, kind of already, or whether or not we'll see Mike Boone. We saw, we saw Amir Abdullah take, you know, a couple running back one snaps in minicamp. You know, I think that's maybe a little bit more open than, uh, than, than you might, you know, you might think with a third round running back in the picture. Um, the long snapper battle, of course, is going to be fascinating, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Who doesn't yeah, have long snapper fever? Yeah, right. It's, it's critical, right? Um, but you know, there's, there's, I think fewer battles this year and more, uh, you know, concerns. Like, of course, there's a defensive tackle battle for the three technique spot and so on. But I think it's just, hey, is there enough depth at wide receiver? Is there enough depth at tight end? Is there enough? To, and it's less about, I think, the battles and more about, you know, is the quality kind of below the starters really up there to, to, you know, play if need be. Arif, all joking aside, the wide receiver three battle is one that's, that's fascinating to a lot of people. And Irv Smith, someone brought in, Obviously, tight end, number two tight end behind Kyle Rudolph. Do you think that the battle for wide receiver three is more so, instead of phrasing it like that, a battle to be the fourth pass catcher instead? Yeah, I think that might be a good way to put it. I, I still don't think we're going to see, uh, unless Irv Smith just kind of blows us out of the water, and and you know he was really remarkable at Alabama. I still don't think we're going to see, uh, you know, him take so many snaps in the offense, at least in year one that he'll end up taking that fourth pass catching spot. Um, so I think, you know, if it was going to be between a wide receiver three and, and Irv Smith, I still think we're more likely to see kind of a wide receiver three, even though we don't know who that is. Um, just because even though we're going to see more two tight end sets, we're still going to see the majority of the time, probably three wide receiver sets. So uh, I think that's maybe a good way to put it. I think that that's maybe more of a year two or a year three discussion for Smith than it is for him to kind of immediately contribute in that capacity right away. Arif, let's switch over to the defense here real quickly. Obviously, they they brought back Anthony Barr uh, after it looked like he was going to head to the New York Jets, and now he's back back here on a five year contract. H- how much should we expect to see from Anthony Barr in terms of like growth from what he's been as a player? He's already been a very good player. He's been to the Pro Bowl a few times, and I know you know that how many times you go to a Pro Bowl is kind of a debatable thing, but. What what can they expect from Anthony Barr this year in terms of a jump and improvement? Will they use him a little bit differently than the way they have, or should we expect most of the, pretty much the same as what we've seen the last five years? I think the reason that we see Anthony Barr get paid the money that he gets paid, which is very unusual for you know a non edge rushing linebacker, is because they really like how his particular skill set fits uniquely into the role in the scheme. So I don't know that. We're going to see his role change, but in terms of his growth as a player, I, I kind of always expect him to kind of improve in coverage. His coverage numbers were actually really phenomenal last year, but he wasn't asked to do as many difficult things aside from when the offense forced him to do those difficult things like in the L.A. game. Um, you know, his, his coverage kind of back down the field covering tight ends, that can always improve. So um, that's kind of where you want to see that growth. Uh, he's always been kind of a good blitzer. Um, I don't think we'll see him kind of rushing off the edge as a defensive end. Like I think people want to see that every year. I still don't think we'll see a lot of that, but I think that 
you know, this year we saw him get stopped up by running backs a little bit as a blitzer. Uh, maybe he wants to kind of refresh his, his pass rushing moves and kind of get a little bit better with that again. Uh, but just generally speaking, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts, and I think he had actually a really good year last year despite kind of what happened in the Buffalo game and in the Los Angeles game. You know, I thought he had a really good year last year. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a very similar level of play from him, but I think without the, the problems that, that happened in those games, people come away with a much better opinion. Arif, one of those positional battles that we had did not get to talk about was uh, the backup quarterback job, which, of course, you know, even though Kirk Cousins has started every game of his career since he's become a starter, uh, is still a hop on issue in part because I think so many people want to see more of Kyle Sloter after what he's done in the preseason games. It's hard to judge off of just a few open OTA sessions and minicamp, but what is your evaluation so far of where things stand with Sean Mannion, Kyle Sloter, and Jake Browning? Well, before I say anything, it should be noted that, that when Case was the, was the backup quarterback, he had an awful camp in preseason, and it turned out he had a pretty fine regular season when he was asked to play. So take everything with a grain of salt. But I'm very worried about what I see from, from Sean Mannion and, and Jake Browning, and I think that Browning is not playing well enough to earn a spot on the roster. So I think the real question is, is it, are we seeing so little of Kyle Sloter in minicamp because they know what they have in him? Or do they really think that Sean Mannion is kind of a better option? We don't know that yet. Um, but I think as training camp starts, we're going to see a lot more of him, and we're going to see kind of an earnest battle for that number two spot. And that number two spot might be the only other quarterback spot on the roster. I don't think that's necessarily the case because the Vikings have been so snake-bitten at quarterback. They're always going to want to keep three. But I think that that's uh, definitely worth considering given kind of all the other tough decisions that they have to make. Um, personally, I think that, you know, I, I think Sloter's been a little bit kind of overrated just because we haven't seen a ton of him. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of genuinely contest uh, for that spot. I just think that at the end of the day, the, uh, the Vikings will go with the veteran because they said from the beginning of the offseason they want a veteran in that, in that uh, quarterback two spot. Uh, and, uh, and I think that that's, you know, what they'll decide to go with. Is that the position where this team can least afford an injury? I know they're thin among the offensive line. Dalvin Cook and value of running backs, everyone's is different. But is the quarterback position with Kirk Cousins just how far that drop-off might be the one where they can least afford an injury, Arif? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think for as much grief as everyone gives Kirk Cousins, I think Matthew Collar for sure, uh, (laughs) it's very clear that uh, the gap between him and the next quarterback on the roster, whoever that ends up being, uh, he's enormous. Like the biggest issue with Cousins is not, you know, that he's a below average quarterback because he's not. He's an above average quarterback. The issue is that the amount of resources you have to invest in him to kind of move him to the next level is pretty, you know, massive. The amount of resources you initially invested in him kind of restricts your moves in other ways. That's the issue. The issue is not that he's bad. Uh, and so if you still have to invest those same resources, but you don't have them, you're in a really tough spot. And I think that you're right that that's the, the area where they can least afford an injury. Chatting with Arif Hassan from The Athletic. Arif, for all of the struggles that the offensive line has had, they did only bring in two new players, two new starters, effectively, in Garrett Bradbury and Josh Klein. And yet, through all of minicamp and OTAs, it's been essentially the same five starters, as long as Brian O'Neill is healthy with O'Neill at right tackle, Klein at right guard, Bradbury at center, Elfline at left guard, and Riley Reef at left tackle. Beyond those five, are there any offensive linemen that you're looking to see either try to push for a starting job or push to make the roster um, or, or just line themselves up well with a good training camp? Yeah, well, I think the, the, the two I'm keeping an eye on are, of course, the fourth-round draft pick, Drew Samia, who uh, might be able to even push 
uh, you know, Josh Klein or Pat Elfline. It kind of depends on how much latitude the Vikings want to give either of them, you know, as camp progresses. I think it's not that likely. I think the Vikings are set at those five, but I think if you're going to pick one guy, you know, he'd be one of those guys that'd be in the running, uh, to really, to really grab one of those spots. Um, because there's a lot of opportunity for, for either of those two to struggle. Um, beyond that, I think we should pay a ton of attention to, uh, Aviante Collins, who was injured all of last year. The Vikings are really high on him. Um, I think he can probably play all five positions along the line, honestly. Um, he's probably a better tackle than anything else, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, by the end of, of this year or next year, you know, he might even be a better guard option than someone like Pat Elfline. So, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that I would watch for. And then, of course, you know, I think the Vikings are in a situation where they've got better depth than they're used to having um, along the offensive line with a shot hill kind of backing up at, at offensive tackle. I don't expect him to, like, push for a starting job or anything like that, but you know, I think he's worth mentioning just given you know, that he's more talented than a lot of backup tackles. All right, Arif, before we let you go, I'm going to give you the option to do something, okay? Great. If you would like to nerd out and give us 30 seconds on the long snapper battle, the floor is yours. <laughs> Go. <laughs> have you been grinding that on that Austin it. cutting tape? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea that uh, about the long snapper battle, but here's what I've heard from people who are very high on Austin cutting, and this is a thing that people were invested in. So at his pro day, apparently the reports coming out of his pro day were that he was flawless. It was one of the best pro days that people who care about long snappers have ever seen from a long snapper. <laughs> All ten thing. of them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. The thing people genuinely said about him, and they were actually excited. And then Pro Football Focus, you know, they've got a guy, Gordon McGinnis, who's just really invested in special teams. He loves long snappers. Uh, and, and he was telling me about Austin Cutting, how remarkable he is, how he has the highest accuracy uh, among all long snappers over a three-year period, and he didn't miss a single snap last year uh, for Air Force. So uh, I guess he's pretty good. <laughs> That's probably the best way to put it. Arif, you were pretty good, too. Thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. That is Arif Hassan of The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. Great stuff from him, as always. When we come back, we're going to have Zach Hiller on to talk a little bit about Dalvin Cook, Danny Cunningham, Manny Hill, Chad Graff, taking you up until 4 o'clock here on Purple Daily on Score North. Purple Daily on Score North. Also available on demand on the Score North mobile app, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, it's Manny here with the Score North download here as we're about 17 minutes in front of 3 o'clock. Earlier on the Score North Twin Show, Derek Wetmore and Rami Makloff talked a little bit about Jake Odorizzi uh, going to the injured list with a blister and Derek Wetmore broke down uh, what this situation could mean for the Twins. You do wonder, do blisters stick around? And you remember Jose Barrios dealing with a similar issue. So this it can the, be like a recurring thing. This is the kind of thing that you hope to sort of nip in the bud, stem it, and make sure that it's not a problem come October. Because that's not the kind of little nagging injury you, you really want to be dealing with down the stretch. And if you missed any portion of the Score North First Place Twin Show, you can download that on the Score North mobile app at scorenorth.com or wherever you find podcasts. Now let's get back to Purple Daily. It is Purple Daily. Danny Cunningham, Chad Graff, Manny Hill here with you on Score North. You can find us on 1500 AM in the Twin Cities or on the Score North mobile app available on Apple and Android in the Google Play Store. Now we're going to head back out to the hotline. We're going to bring in Zach Hiller of Zach Hiller Sports. He represents Vikings running back Dalvin Cook. Zach, how are you doing today? 
Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to have you on. Wanted to bring you on. Wanted you. to talk a little bit about the the Vikings running back, Dalvin Cook. I think that that's a we are in a great spot in the offseason to do that. We know that they have high expectations for what Dalvin can do this upcoming season. A lot of the offense is going to be based around him. What are his own personal expectations heading into the 2019 season? Uh, I mean, just just be Dalvin. Be be what he's always done. Play the football that he. He did at Florida State that he did uh, to start off when he first got to Minnesota and just uh, basically do everything he can to help the Vikings win as many games and uh, hopefully, uh, I mean, bring a Super Bowl to Minnesota. Delvin was remarkably healthy throughout his college career and then, of course, was dealt with a tough ACL injury, his rookie season in the NFL, and, and the nagging hamstring injury last season. How, how is he doing now, and, and how is his offseason training going? Uh, he's doing unbelievable. Um, he's 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 just Dalvin. That's the best way to put it. Uh, physically, um, just great. Mentally, great. He's in the right in the right place. The offseason been going really well, uh, and uh, he's just excited for to get ready for camp. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to have him back at camp and and for Vikings fans to get to see a healthy Dalvin Cook again. Uh, Zach, one of the other reasons that we wanted to have you on and to chat with you a little bit is you know in part because uh, things are a little bit slow in July, and I think we wanted to hear. Um, some of the perspective from an NFL agent. You have a bit of a unique story, uh, a different background. You are 28 years old, and you're representing uh, somebody of Dalvin Cook's ability. You're representing multiple NFL players. How did this all come to be? What, what is your story? How did you get started in this? I got started with an internship. I was in college. Um, this It's all about getting your foot in the door, and then once once it is, just kind of breaking through and doing everything you can to learn as much as you can about the industry. So when I got my internship, uh, I just put everything I had into it, learning the, the NFL business, learning the CBA, understanding player contracts, understanding marketing, making connections with the, the major brands that you see these players working with. And um, just from there, kind of uh, built relationships with uh, some important uh, people and players, and, and that's really uh, what it is. It's a relationship industry, so building relationships with uh, – just like I said, um, the teams, general managers, players, and uh, just getting your name out there. You kind of go over uh, learning the, the CBA like it's nothing. I kind of think that involves hours and hours of reading and studying. How do you just get a good sense of that, a good grasp of that, and the ability that you need to be able to negotiate contracts and understand how that whole process works? I mean, it just comes down to studying anything else. You just read through the book. You understand there's formulas when it comes down to contracts, understanding language. Um, and knowing the real details when it comes to a contract because a lot of contracts are reported by the media uh, <laughs> differently than they're really, when they're actually written. So um, just, You're welcome. Taking time to, just, just, just taking time to read the CBA, understand the salary cap, and uh, understand uh, guarantees versus what is an injury guarantee versus a skill guarantee versus a full guarantee. Just really uh, understanding all the, the, the real terms and details of the CBA, just taking time to read it. I mean, uh, as an agent, that's really your profession. Your profession is to negotiate a contract and knowing the CBA. Uh, everything else that, that people think about or associates with agents, when it really comes down to it, you're compensated by your player's contract. So that's how I understand. Uh, that's what I knew, so I was going to learn as much as I could about how I, how I was getting compensated and my clients were getting compensated. Zach, I do think that the world of being a player agent is one that's pretty 
pretty cloudy to the general public. Like they don't understand your job for the most part. And I, I do think that you just touched on that, obviously. But what's the coolest part about being on that side of things? Because that's another thing that people really probably have a misconception of. Oh, uh, I mean, I don't know if cool is the right is the right word, but it's 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 probably just building a relationship with some very extraordinary people, like just very special people that um, maybe not many people get to get close to and really understand. You get to build a relationship with somebody, really get to know them and and watch as they succeed, and and in the traditional sense of success. Um, really get to the top of their profession and as high as they possibly can. And just getting to know those guys and building relationships and, and understanding success is probably the best part about it. Since so little of, of your job is really known uh, by the public and sort of the intricacies of what goes on with your job, can you just take us from like a 30,000-foot view? How does an agent go about getting clients, and especially for somebody like yourself who, you know, there are certain agents with companies like CAA who, you know, have tons of bagging, who have been around for decades, who have had dozens of clients. For somebody like yourself who's still less than 30 years old, how do you go about um, getting clients, and, and what is your pitch to them? Uh, it's really just a, it's a relationship. So every, every guy is different. Everybody uh, handles their business differently. Um, I, I'm just a relationship. I just want to be that, that right-hand man, that guy that really truly cares about you, has your best interest and solely your best interest, um, and that can be there for you 24-7. So everybody's different. And uh, I look for the guys that really want, that, that really, really want to handle their business and, and, and in this industry, I think that when you have somebody that solely has your interest, that's where you can really succeed and that's where an agent can succeed. Um, so I don't really want to put down or separate from boutique versus large agency, but I, I kind of look for uh, guys now that are, that are referrals because they understand, well, like, wow, uh, Zach has a great relationship with this guy and if he's going to say that, that Zach's great, then I'm going to listen to that. So that's kind of how I go about it. I know I do a great job. So um, word of mouth is the best, is the, is the best than the route that I go right now. <laughs> this might sound kind of crazy. I'll concede, but what is it like when you're walking in to negotiate your very first contract? Like, are you as nervous as can be sitting across from the GM or the assistant GM or whoever, or what is that very first uh, contract like? Uh, I mean, it, it, it's different. So, the, 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 uh, with the rookie contracts today, it's, it's, it's pretty boilerplate. Um, there obviously is a slotted rookie system, which changed in 2011, which actually uh, was, a, was probably a major advantage for anybody that is interested in being an agent and uh, has ever thought about it because it kind of leveled the playing field. The whole, I have so much experience, I have so much experience I've negotiated this contract and that contract and this contract. It, it didn't really apply to rookies because when they got drafted, they kind of their compensation was set, and it was an algebraic formula that I could teach you on this this call right now. So that contract uh, was pretty um, just straightforward. Um, as far as the second contract, I mean, just being confident. Uh, you're dealing with guys that that obviously are very confident, very hardworking, very determined, and that's what makes them successful in the field. And you got to have that same mindset when it comes to negotiating a contract. We mentioned a little bit some of the cool parts of your job. What, what is a misnomer about being an NFL agent? Um, you know, I think from the outside is uh, an incredibly cool job, probably a cool one to bring up at dinner parties or at happy hour. But what is something that a lot of people don't understand about your job as an NFL agent? I, I think that there is a, it, it goes back to there's two parts to it in the sense where, like, you really are compensated simply on the, on the contract and, yes, in marketing. 
but it's 24-7 all the time, nonstop. There's just little things that you take care of, or at least I do, that I make sure so that my clients can focus on what they do best, which is play football, that nobody really notices or sees that, that, that you take care for a guy that people overlook and, and just think that, like you said, the happy hours and the dinner parties, but it's really, uh, really, uh, really, really a lot more that goes into it to get to those great moments. So, And the other thing that I see in your Twitter bio, it says music manager. What, what is it that you do with the music side of things? Uh, so I, I just recently got into music. Um, I, I came across this, uh, this, this kid on Instagram. He's 14. Uh, he was rapping about positivity and how the world should be a happier, more loving place and that, that people shouldn't be talking about guns, drugs, and violence. And uh, as soon as I saw it, I was actually I was with Dalvin. I showed it to him. And, I mean, uh, he said he could tell just from looking at him that the, the kid was special. So I flew out to meet with him, and I sat down with him. And I just kind of no different than, than guys that, that, that play football. They have, they have a special talent, and, and they're really looking for somebody that they trust to guide them because it all goes back to trust. Music was no different. It's still just marketing and guiding somebody and, and, and building trust with them so they know that you have their best interest. So uh, I kind of brought him into the fold, and, and he's doing pretty well. And then from there, I actually uh, found this other uh, artist on Instagram. She, uh, she happened to post a freestyle, and luck would have it that somebody that I had uh, done right by about three years ago saw it. And when he saw it, he actually reached out to her on my behalf without telling me. Um, got the phone number for me and sent it to me and was kind of like, here's your thank you. And I, I happened to reach out to her and uh, Cardi B happened to post her. And when Cardi <laughs> B posted her, her Instagram following went from 50,000 to 1.2 million. And, <laughs> and then she, she has a record deal now and they're doing great. So music's very interesting as well. Um, I also, my, my, when it comes to me, it's all about family. So my football clients, I, I obviously, I sent them, Ray, who, Ray Emanuel, who's my, one of my, the 14 year old, I sent his music to all my guys. They were like, yeah, he's great. Same with Kier Love. Her Instagram's RXCAN. Um, I sent her, uh, music to all my clients. They all said the same exact thing. We're kind of like a family. And, and, and if I know that, that, that they're on board, cause these guys that play in the league, they're definitely special. They can tell who else is special. So, um, um that was it. So I just kind of ventured into music. Well, we definitely think that you qualify as uh, one of the coolest people in terms of what job you have to come on Purple Daily, Zach. So thanks for doing this. No problem. And uh, I just wanted to quickly, uh, for everybody listening in, in, in Minnesota, Minneapolis, uh, August 31st, just keep your calendar open. Um, we got some some uh, a big event that we should be launching any day now. It's going to uh, definitely... Uh, benefit a great cause in the community and uh, we got a lot of uh, important people in Minnesota behind it so just keep your eyes open and your your calendar open for August 31st so definitely. thanks for having me. Absolutely we'll definitely keep an eye out for that thanks for doing that really appreciate your time Zach Take care That was Zach Hiller, Dalvin Cook's agent of Zach Hiller Sports Hour number two of Purple Daily coming up that'll include Hot Routes and I'm not sure what else because I won't be a part of it. Manny Hill and Chad Graff We'll take you from three to four. I'm out. This is Purple Daily. Find us on Score North, the mobile app on Apple or Android or 1500 AM here in the Twin Cities.